Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. In this episode, we hear from Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte Executive Director Mona Johnson Gibson and longtime Ronald McDonald House volunteer Marguerite Ruper. I'm Mona Johnson Gibson, the Executive Director for the Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte. And I am Marguerite Ruper, a House Operations volunteer and other volunteers within the house. So, well, Marguerite, I was thinking the other day, um, the Ronald McDonald House has been open here in Charlotte for um, seven years now, a little over seven years. Um, I've been the director here for 10 years, and I was thinking, um, I think you came, I met you when I first came on board probably 10 years ago. Um, Really, it probably met your husband, who was the um, head of the Pediatric Society, and he said, Mona, you've got to build Ronald McDonald House. <laughs> right? Sounds like him, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to think how long you've been volunteering, but you've been volunteering even before the house opened. I think so, and because um, I actually met the executive director prior to you, who mm-hmm. had a little trouble getting started, and, um, is, and being part of the Ronald McDonald House is just something that my husband and I had always wanted in Charlotte, and for some reason... I think politics sort of kept it out for a while. Um, but yeah, so it was like anything we could do to get the house here was what we wanted to do. So I think we started brainstorming about how to get the pediatricians involved, mm-hmm. um, and that started some events and then sort of led to me hanging out here every Thursday afternoon. So <laughs> <laughs> One thing leads to another. Yeah, so for seven years and kind of learn a lot about an organization within seven years. I think, you know, our uh, mission of being a home away from home for families of seriously ill children, probably, you know, people ask, how do you get involved? And I always say, you know, I think, I think I'm meant to be here. That's the only thing I can think. But for you, I think because you came uh, here, I mean, you at one time were a pediatric nurse, your mm-hmm. husband's a pediatric doctor, so it really made sense for you. So I always wonder why do people come to volunteer at certain places? I mean, was that, was that? Yeah, and that was a huge um, driving factor because when I was doing my nursing, which was, you know, in the dark ages at this point, um, I was doing ICU and intermediate care. And so these moms and these families are hanging out in the rooms for weeks at a time. And, you know, the child is ill, but not they don't necessarily need the mom in the room or waiting in the um, waiting room and sleeping on the couches in the waiting room, and so there had to be a better there had to be a better way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably back in the er, the late seventies. Mm-hmm. So the Ronald McDonald House was really a new concept, and, right. and they weren't there weren't many around. And then I started hearing about them like that would just that's awesome for the families just to get away a little bit mm-hmm. or to tag team mom stays, dad goes and takes a nap. And, you know, as the nurse to have your parents not exhausted and right. crabby and cranky, mm-hmm. um, is, is a really good thing. Yeah. So that was, and it just, you know, to support these families with kids at probably the most vulnerable time in their lives, mm-hmm. you know, most of the kids even here, um, a lot of NICU babies, um, so born early, born with an issue, um, and these families don't have money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're at the lowest earning point, you know, in your career mm-hmm. when you're having babies, mm-hmm. and um, 
to be able to support them and get them through this, what at the time is a crisis, doesn't matter what it, how bad the baby is or not, it's their baby and they're in the hospital. Yeah. But, um, but why would you say, well, I guess the first question would be, why, why have you stayed more than seven years? But why would you share with someone else to come and volunteer somewhere? I just or, think it's a great place. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a bit more answers. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, well, I say because it's just it's something deep inside me that this is a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the giving back of, you know, fortunately I never had to use a Ronald McDonald house. You know, my kids were sick and we figured things out mm-hmm. and they were never that sick um, in relation to being sick. You have to understand the pediatric right. way of looking at sick. It's different. Right. Um, you know, but to have seen it and to know what those families go through, you know, that's just something that nobody should have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So whatever you can do to make it a little bit easier, to me, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess maybe because it's, you know, I kind of hate the word passion for mm-hmm. something, but because it is something that I'm passionate about when you talk about it, other people would kind of grab onto it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's how you help bring in other donors, mm-hmm. other volunteers, is if you have those, you know, the volunteers that are passionate about it. But I think about this, you know, I, um, you know, we've had a lot of volunteers that came here uh, and wanted to be part of this. They wanted to volunteer, period. And they tried to volunteer somewhere else, but they couldn't. You know, for one reason or another. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of do think you have people have to have the passion, but then I think there's a whole group that, that's just trying to go somewhere and make a difference and volunteer. And sometimes, as as a, an agency or an organization, we make that so tough. We make that so difficult. And I know we do too sometimes. But that's always been a big issue for me. Is I want to make it. Um, as open door, I mean, you know, we've got to have some constraints, right? You've got to have some training. You've got to have background checks and those kind of things. But how can you, uh, as an organization, make it a win-win, right? And, um, and and not make it so complicated and difficult for people to come. And I think you guys have done a good job. Your, you and your staff have done a good job here because when I talk to people about volunteering, it's like you do not have to be here every Monday from this time to this time. You can, you know, you can come in and just fill in and during the week you can set a set schedule if you want. You can just arbitrarily show up. You need to show up once a, once a month for three hours, which is not, I mean, if you're going to volunteer, that's a very minimal um, commitment for me and mm-hmm. to me to think. Um, and so you can come in whenever you want, really, and do your job mm-hmm. um and so that's makes it much more much easier like i want to go visit my grandkids my in-laws are having trouble you know i've got to go off and do family things mm-hmm. and while i feel bad about missing my shift here <laughs> um, okay you should <laughs> i know i should um you know even though i feel bad about missing my shift it's not like i'm you know my hands are going to be slapped mm-hmm. you know they your staff realizes that we all have lives besides and mm-hmm. Volunteering is not going to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, so you guys do make it easy, I think, easier than lots of organizations for volunteering and that it's not a set schedule. I think uh, for volunteers, myself being a volunteer, if I put myself on the other side, I think two things is, uh, and so I work 
hard, I hope, from an organizational standpoint is I think a lot of times as executive directors or even staff, we take the volunteers for granted. Um, and in, in a lot of different ways, uh, you just expect they'll be there. You expect they'll take care of themselves. You expect they'll figure out what to do. I mean, I even think about when uh, several places I had volunteered in the past, and when I got there, you really didn't know where to go. Like, like where's the jumping-off point or the check-in place or, uh, you know, or things as simple as where do you put your pocketbook, right? right? right. You know? And so that was very important to me. Name tags, you know. Uh, and even uh, where do you go to check in to see what am I doing today? And so you just flounder around. And to me, if you take uh, the volunteers for granted, you don't, again, I go back to making it a win-win and also make them feel a part of something. I mean, you can be as passionate as you want about right. Ronald McDonald right. House, right? Yeah. But if you come and nobody knows you and nobody, you know, is ready for you, we don't have anything for you to do, then... I, you will go somewhere else. Right, right. And there's always something to do here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really not a problem. Um, and part of it is, I think, at least for me as a volunteer here, is I come in and it is just like being at home because I walk in and somebody's going to rip me, somebody's <laughs> going to give me a hard time, and it is just like home. And the staff really makes an effort to know the volunteers, especially the two volunteer coordinators, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, introduces them for the first time, or, you know, you can figure out who's the newbie mm-hmm. and try and lead them. And so the, the staff who is organizing the volunteers, are, I think, are very aware mm-hmm. of the level of experience, I guess, of their volunteers that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that helps in... Where do they go? What do they do? And also then all the training that's been set up mm-hmm. to, to take care of them. So, you know, it's fun to come in and, you know, people know you and whether you've been here twice or whether you've been here for, you know, years, mm-hmm. the staff seems to have a clue actually who you are. Right. You know, they have more of a clue the longer you stay. Right. Um, right. You know, and I know that it's a problem to get people to commit and stay and do it versus sort of wandering in and out mm-hmm. and not really connecting. And that's a problem everybody has, right. you know, with, um, with volunteers is if you can't engage them, com- you know, not completely, but engage them mm-hmm. so that they feel connected to the place, then you probably lose them. Right, right. So, But, you know, it's interesting... <clears throat> like you've been here since the doors opened seven years ago, there's a large percentage of our, you know, 400-some volunteer house operation volunteers who have been here since the doors opened. I, I often wonder why. Like, yeah. what, you know, um, what, what keeps them coming and, back? Why do some connect and some don't? And, like, when I come in, like, I know the girls on the shift before me, and I know the people who are coming in after me. And, you know, and it's it starts becoming, like, a family, I guess. Um, and that's why I kind of wonder the people who do one shift a month, which is great and it fills in, you know, but do they get that connection? Mm -hmm. And some of it's, you know, a personal decision on their part as to how connected, but I think the people who probably started at the beginning Mm -hmm. were really gung ho and passionate about helping out at the house, that it was important to them. And then we've just developed 
this little funny family. <laughs> the home away from home. The home away from home family. From those, those funny families. Yes, that's what we are. Well, I think, you know, a, a lot of times uh, as staff, we forget that um, volunteers become donors and that donors become volunteers. And I know, you know, you and your husband uh, actually started out really as donors when there wasn't a house. Um, doing a fundraiser through the Pediatric Society, um, joining our Red Shoes Society. So I, I, I think that as a, as a leader of an organization, we always have to remember that you can't just cultivate donors and you can't just cultivate volunteers. I mean, it really is tied because for me, I have to have the workers as much as I have to have, have the, the money, money, right? <laughs> Need the money. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's that way in all organizations, but mm. I think you have to really um, greet and connect with the volunteers. Well, you can't pocket, put them into different pockets or, mm -hmm. you know, boxes, whatever you want to call them, because they do, and because I know a lot of your volunteers are donors as well. Um, and or brought in donors. So, you know, the, that's the connection back and forth of the volunteer and the donors. And the donors come in and see it, and it's like, oh, this is really cool. We should come and do something, you know, right. go make cookies or mm -hmm. do a dinner crew. Yeah. Um, so those are a little less time-consuming than the HOVs, I think. Yeah. So how do you... How do you encourage your staff to take care of the volunteers? Um, I think that um, to, to make them feel welcome, to make them feel included, to make them feel a part of. You know, it's kind of like that old um, Maslow's hierarchy of need. You know, all we all want is to be loved and, right. you know, right. wanted, I guess. And, um, and so to really try to get to know volunteers, you know, you've got 400, I know that's hard, but over a period of time you do, you know, you know their name or you know something about them or you, uh, you recognize their face at least to say, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. And yeah. they say, oh, yeah, I haven't been here. You know, I've been sick or whatever. Um, and I, I, think I, I think it's a little bit of the old golden rule, you know, I, I know how, what it's felt like to go places and, and volunteer or try to volunteer and it's yeah, you know and it's nobody just cares. right right and and so you just end up not helping so well, I know the staff does a good job with you know celebrations of mm -hmm. you know you did 250 hours of volunteer or 500 or 750 or mm -hmm. you know whatever and we get balloons and right. everybody comes out and claps for you and things like that <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a family <laughs> Um, so I know that you know that's one thing I think that helps, you know, and it's kind of a silly little thing, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of times silly little things mean more right. or mean something, and some people they mean more too than other people, mm -hmm. and you just never know that. Well, I think just like in in life in general, you know, with your with your family, with your friends, with your colleagues, I think here. You know, people say, oh, oh, I don't need anything. I don't need to be rewarded. But we all do. We all want to be patted on the back. We all want to be remembered or recognized. Um, even like we send birthday cards right. to volunteers, to board members, and to staff. You know, we, we have a little system to do that. 
And I think that while it's a little silly thing, it to me when you get a little card in the mail from where you're volunteering, wow, you yeah. know they. I, they oh, knew my birthday. Yeah, Heck, my kids don't send me a card. <laughs> <laughs> they know we're doing it. They know we're doing it, so they're fine. They're fine. Uh, but I think those are the kind of things that when I talk about that we take for we take volunteers for granted that you you know you have to keep up with um, milestones whether you do it by hours or by years or by project or whatever right. it might be and make a little as we call it a little hoorah over that you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think that makes a difference. Yeah. And that will keep you coming back. Right, right. And because that makes you feel like somebody cares about that you show up. And it's true with staff, too. Mm -hmm. And I think if if you, you, you asked, you know, how do you get staff to do that, I think staff has to be excited about that. And if you do that to staff, you know, uh, celebrate their milestones, birthdays, work anniversaries, whatever it might be, um, then they want to do that with everybody so that's and part of that is you know a culture within the house that was set up by you um as a director it has goes down all the way through the staff all the way down to the volunteers um and sometimes even to the families you know because they come in and they're like oh i want to make dinner um the ones that have stayed here for a long time so that's just a culture i think that has been embedded in the house i guess mm -hmm. at this point well, it's interesting because a lot of, of, of our volunteers who volunteer other places, they'll say, I, I, I don't even know who the executive director is. I don't know any of the staff except for maybe a volunteer coordinator. And I know sometimes, you know, just pure environment or location may right. be that. I mean, we have the perfect I mean, environment Set if up. you think about it. But, um, but I just think as a leader of an organization, that's really sad if you think you can't get out and about where the volunteers are and right. connect with them and learn who they are and 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 thank them for what they're doing. Right. And that's part of the, you know, I guess your leadership style of sort of the servant leadership of showing up and wandering around and seeing things. <laughs> thank you. Which I'm <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, no, but it's, you know, but that way everyone sees you because you're out and about throughout the house during the day. And it's an odd day when if I come in and I don't see you, mm -hmm. at least once to come out and you say hi to everybody who's mm -hmm. out there. Um, sometimes it's as you're racing out the door, <laughs> but it's still an acknowledgement that, you know, I know that you're there and helping. So, you know, and I, so I applaud you on that piece of, you know, being around and seeing everybody and then it also allows you to see how things are functioning within the house mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what works and what doesn't work or what you like and what you don't like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I know you have a lot of volunteers that give you a lot of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> how do you recruit your volunteers at this point? Well, we have been for this seven years kind of head down running and not been as proactive as I would like to be. But still, I think people are out there looking for ways to volunteer. Uh, certainly you talked about word of mouth, but every other Wednesday we do a morning orientation and an evening orientation. 
And so we advertise that out on our social media, on our website. You know, um, if anybody comes to that, you know, if they come to us again, so it's a little more reactive than proactive. Um, but we still have, you know, every other week, 10 or 12 in each one of those orientations, yes, which is amazing. So, but I, I think what we're trying to work towards as we can build up um, staff and volunteer to do that would be to be more proactive, to look at where are places we want to target, whether it's companies or retirement communities or um, certain uh, age groups or, or specific people that we want to go and talk to them about, would you be interested in volunteering? And how do you get volunteers for your one-time things? Like the, like somebody's doing a run and you need people to hand out mm -hmm. bottles of water or at conventions that are you know supporting you? Well, the great thing for us is having house operation volunteers, we go out to them first. Because a lot of them, while they come into the house, uh, a lot of them would like to do other things. And then we have where you can just sign up on our website to be a, a, a volunteer. We probably have 8,000 there. And so to send out to them anytime we're having an event, um, everyone who comes into the house, or, and you could do this anywhere, you have them sign, on, uh, sign up, and then you send to them anytime we're having an event, would you be interested? And we have a sign up. So... Then you get people who maybe just came here for a tour, but then the next thing you know, in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, they get an email um, or something out on Facebook that says, hey, we're looking for volunteers to go and work this um, fair downtown. Mm -hmm. Do you typically get enough volunteers for the, those events, like a single event thing? We do. Yeah. We do. I think, you know, it always depends on what it is and where it is, but generally yeah but but then we we do have um you know if you cultivate that i think for any organization that this is telltale they want to do whatever they can for the house and so like for instance i have this one little boy scout and he comes to all those kind of where we go to things that it's going to raise money for us so we're at an event but it's going to raise money for us and he's so excited because it, in his mind he he gave us a thousand dollars and he did because yeah. he came out and he worked it with us and helped us. And so I think there's a lot of people out there that that they might not can give you money, but they can they to be a, a part of part that of and it. to help. That's huge, right? And then that's again another marketing person mm -hmm. out there of like come help come to this event and support Ronald McDonald House, right? So that's very cool. Yeah, I I think there's um, more ways that we could. Um, target or attract volunteers but um but again you know it, it it takes it takes time how many how many volunteers do you see as your need well we multiply it out for us based on you know we have volunteers run the house from 8 a.m to 8 p.m seven days a week three hour shifts how many do you want on each shift you know so you run that number and that number really comes out to somewhere around 600 600 mm-hmm but that's 600, like, regular, so right. you really need a bigger list than that right. to, because they're not all going to come every week and right. do a shift or... 
yeah. things like that. So yeah, and I think that that that's where a lot of organizations and leaders like myself make uh, make the mistake of not being intentional enough. And so you really need to sit down and, and run those numbers or look at what is it you're trying to accomplish and what do you need to accomplish it, and then and then be intentional about that to go out and um, market, if you will, to those those people. Right, because it would seem after a while it's like, oh wow, we have a lot of volunteers. You know, what are we going to do with all of them? Mm -hmm. But um, the volunteers aren't necessarily reliable mm -hmm. you know yeah. I mean it's a volunteer position and you know you're going to be the first thing knocked off the list if something happens so but you have those backups but you also you know I think you and I have talked about this before you can't just you know invite a whole bunch of people over to your house and there's nothing to do right, right? and so that's another piece of that being intentional I think is uh, you got to know uh, again how many do you need for what what do what do you need done you know so that when people and is it meaningful that goes back to the win win right, right. because it and that, I think that's why we do orientations because a lot of people want to come here and uh, sit and rock babies well that's not we what we do them, right. right so in orientation so I think it, it's being one you, you know as we talked a little earlier listening to what they want but also communicating what it is we do so in orientation you really lay it out here's what we do here's some of the things you might be doing and then the person has the choice to say yeah I want to volunteer but that's not at all what I want right. to do and I think sometimes as organizations we just grab people and try to, again, fit that round peg in a square well, hole. Well, and then you're dealing with and trying to track a lot of volunteers who aren't really participating. Mm -hmm. And that's even harder. And that's, you're just spinning your wheels rather than getting volunteers that are committed. Right. And, you know, we um, started a while ago um, collecting data for anybody that came in the house. So, you know, not just the volunteer, you know, your regulars. And so that really extends your reach because then you can send them invitations sure. to things. You can send, you have a year-end mailing where you're asking for a donation. Well, absolutely. If I came over here one time, my company was going to uh, do a cleaning project, and then I get this year-end mailing, I'm going to give a little bit of money. Yeah. I, that was a, it was a nice experience. It was a good place. So I think as organizations, I know, you know, we did for a while too, we don't look at the peripheral, I guess, yeah. uh, as a potential donor. And maybe they just, you know, give one time or come to one thing, but then if you touch them again, they might come to two more right. things. It just requires that time and effort mm -hmm. to track all of that. Now, do you have volunteers to help with that kind of stuff? The tracking, the data entry, the, you know, massive lists we have some have. we have some that that do They'll that do that yeah but uh some another of, way to use people mm -hmm. as volunteers to mm -hmm. well the other thing that we're looking at is to um in here in the near futures to begin um we've tried a couple of times but we we're got a success plan now i think to begin a speakers bureau so actually uh enlisting volunteers and giving them a little kit if you will, or bag, and then let them go out and speak to other groups or uh, people about volunteering, about donating, about the house. Um, and I think that's more powerful than me going. Well, I don't know that it's more powerful than you As going, powerful, okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, people always like to meet the boss. Yeah. So, you know. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Experience. T&E is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. 
Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gallahue. Our graduate assistant editor is David Mueller. And our communications assistant is Haley Jones. This episode was produced by David Mueller, who also wrote our theme music. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.